0: Hey, BSN Denver listeners, we're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it, CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore Listeners, check it out for yourself today and receive twenty percent off when you use the promo code BSN twenty nineteen at checkout to get your Strava Craft coffee for twenty percent off and shipped straight to your door.
1: It's fun. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast.
0: Joined by a special guest, Mason Plum. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off? Yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on <laughs> him. <thing. laughs> We're presented, as always, by our friends over at The Green Solution. Visit any one of The Green Solution's 17 Colorado locations, or you can browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here. Monday edition of the show. We're recording this Sunday. The day after the Nuggets Game 7 win, 90-86 to 86, over the San Antonio Spurs. The Nuggets got Portland in the second round. Quick turnaround beginning Monday night here in Denver. A game 1 should be a great series as well. So here's what we'll do on today's show. Kind of recap Game 7, give some overall takeaways from the Nuggets first round series, and then look ahead to Portland and throw some predictions out there how we think that series will go, matchups we're watching, who we think will fare well, who we think this series will come down to, and so on and so forth. But game seven last night, what's your biggest takeaway from that Nuggets win?
2: My biggest takeaway is from witness Pre- protection night four years ago to absolute freaking pandemonium. Um, there's a lot you can go over. I love what Michael Malone said after this game. Um, He he really shouted out the crowd, which was just excellent in this game. You know, at the end of the game, the Spurs had to foul, right? The Nuggets were up four. There was like 25 seconds to go. And the Spurs inexplicably didn't foul. Nuggets ran out the clock, won this game. Greg Popovich was gesturing for for his team to foul. They didn't hear him. And, you know, the crowd swung the game in Denver's direction in a really significant moment. And that just made me think of, you know, what covering this team was like three years ago? What going to those games against the Hawks in mid-January when there's 5,000 people in the stands that compared to the scene we saw last night? There's actually
0: a funny joke that we all used to make that there was more media in attendance covering the games than there were actual fans. And obviously that wasn't close to true, but that's what it seemed like at times. It, It seemed like the media was really doing the legwork and just talking about basketball and drumming up excitement for basketball in this town because the fan sport was just not there. Well, it's totally flipped. No, three years later or two years later, however you want to look at it. and It was as loud in Pep Center last night as I've heard it over the last four seasons. Definitely the loudest. It's been definitely the loudest game I've covered. The end of the game, that sequence was so weird because it was obvious you foul, and it, the Spurs just had a brain fart or something, but then again, I don't want to like put too much stock into the crowd winning the Nuggets the game. Denver was up four. You send the Nuggets to the line up four with like 30 seconds left. I, I don't think the Spurs really have a shot to win there anyways, but it was incredibly weird how that final possession turned out. A weird capper on a weird series. So I think it was fitting in that sense. Do you think we're in a basketball renaissance in the city of Denver where this city is getting behind this team? Because I'll admit in the first round, I did not sense that the city was as excited as I thought it would be ahead of this first round series. My expectations might've been a little too high. As the series progressed, I think it kind of lived up to how how I thought it would go just in terms of the excitement throughout the city and the state and people getting on board with this team. Do you think now we're just really full speed ahead with kind of a basketball revolution or renaissance here?
2: Yeah, I do. And, you know, I think one way to look at that is just kind of gauging the energy level in the crowd in game one compared to game seven there was a nervous energy in game one. It felt like the crowd didn't know if the Nuggets were for real, even though they just won 54 games. And, you know, with the history of the Denver Nuggets, I I can kind of understand that. They're they're kind of wondering, man, is this team going to blow it? And at the start of game seven, to me, that sounded like a crowd that knew the Nuggets were going to win. Yeah. That sounded like a confident crowd. Yeah, it
0: It did. It, It did for sure. And there was some nervous energy late in the fourth quarter when the Spurs were making that run and Denver just was missing one point blank shot after another. Uh, But I agree with you. It was a confident crowd, at least at the beginning of the game. And what I was just saying that I didn't really feel that excitement, you know, throughout the city, right when the series started, I definitely felt it towards the end. There's an old tale that people around the Nuggets like to tell. When Tim Conley first took this job in 2013, he took his front office out for dinner in a restaurant in downtown Denver. And, you know, Tim will probably go around the city now and still he won't get recognized by ninety percent of the people, but he obviously wasn't gonna get recognized by anybody back in twenty thirteen. But anyways, they were having lunch at a downtown restaurant. And he tried to give away Nuggets tickets to a waiter who was waiting on their table. And the waiter shot him down. The (laughs) waiter refused the tickets. And of course, the story goes that he says he would have taken tickets if it was a Broncos game and so on and so forth. But now the Nuggets are the hottest ticket in town. And so I think the four-year turnaround, uh, specifically under Mike Mullen, because of course in 2013, 2014. It took a couple years for this thing to really get moving and to get the right people in place and the right players and coaches and executives. But now I think we're full speed ahead.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, should we talk about, you know, the biggest reason for this turnaround, Uh, the big goofy Serbian dude who is just an absolute freaking monster in this first round series? I think that'd be a good direction to go. Yeah, I mean, Jokic, clear-cut best player in the series. I said on Twitter today, I thought he was the second-best defender in the series, right behind Gary Harris. You know, even a year ago, Mm -hmm. I I think that would have been unthinkable. I mean, Jokic, you know, at Media Day, I think three years ago, was openly disdainful of playing defense. Like, he was just honest that he hated doing it. And now, you know, this is a guy who's sprinting around like, like a madman, did a fantastic job on LaMarcus Aldridge in this series, I thought, just you know he, Aldridge has this unblockable shot and Jokic did what you have to do against him um you know just contest it and don't foul him he was so good on both ends and look i know we haven't seen Jokic go against a, a spread pick and roll team and and you know maybe he, he could get really hurt by that if denver's able to make it to the western conference finals against Houston or golden state but i I've, I've thought that Jokic has the talent and the resolve to be the best player in a championship team, and this series only you know, made me think that even more.
0: Yeah, we've thought that all along, and I think he's starting to back up those who have believed in him since day one, like we have on this podcast, and he was unbelievable in this series. Second best defender, he could be. He could be, maybe him or Derek White, but he was just you know, incredible in all facets of this first-round series, offense and defense. He actually finished with 162 points, 85 rebounds, and 64 assists in this series. Nobody has ever hit those marks uh, across a seven-game first-round series, and I mean, this guy almost averaged a triple-double in this thing, he had two triple-doubles in the playoffs, was just unbelievable from game one through game seven, logged a ton of minutes in this series, But I thought what was more impressive than the points or or the playmaking or how he closed out games for the Nuggets throughout this series, it was his poise. We heard so much noise, so many narratives about how would these young Nuggets without any playoff experience look on a big stage where the lights were just a little bit brighter? How would they fare? Would the nerves take over or would they just be able to overcome that? And Jokic played this series like it was a regular season game in January. There was no nerves from him. He was incredibly poised throughout the whole series. He was calm. He was composed. And I can't say I'm terribly surprised because this is just the guy who he's been throughout a January game against Atlanta or game 82 against Minnesota last year. But his poise was remarkable, I thought.
2: He was doing bits. In his post game pressers, like he was just yucking it up with the media. I mean, making jokes. He'd walk into all those pressers and be like, "What's up, guys?" And then you know, people would say quietly, "What's up?" He'd be like, "What's up, guys?" And like demand an answer. It was pretty funny. The thing with the microphone was just hilarious. After Game Six, he he took the microphone off the stand to to speak with it, kind of like Dirk, and he couldn't get it back in the holder, and he swore a little bit. You can find that video. Well, in Game 7, he got it back in the holder, and as he was walking off, he looked at it, he pointed at it, and just goes, 1-1. One, one. Yeah. I mean, this was a guy completely at peace, and that, that was a big question mark coming into this series. I mean, Tony Brothers, one of the refs who, who ref Game 7, Jokic completely blew up on him. In a March game against the Pacers, Jokic got tossed. Um, there was another game, you know, two weeks after that against the Lizards where Jokic kind of F-bombed the refs and got tossed. That one was deserved, I thought. So... Yeah, Jokic keeping his cool, even you know, in the rare instances when things were going his way or didn't agree with the call, I think was crucial for Denver in this series. It was. And going back to a lot of the questions
0: that were mounting heading into the series about how Jokic would fare in a playoff setting where there's more pressure and there's more intensity and there's more scrutiny that comes with it, a lot of people were quick to remind me around the team from – you know the front office to, to the coaching staff that Jokic has played in a lot of big games before even though he hasn't played in playoff games per se I mean this is a guy who's played for the Serbian national team in big games he was a key figure on Serbia's silver medal Olympic team in 2016 that's a team that lost to the US in the gold medal game but you know he was a crucial piece on that Serbian team he's a guy who's played in front of raucous Atmospheres with crowds that are way louder and way nastier than what he's seen in any playoff game or in any regular season game. Some of those crowds back in Serbia, they're liable to throw a flare onto the court you know, uh, let alone just talk trash about you. So he's been in really tough environments before. And yes, he hasn't play, played in a playoff game prior to this series, but he's played in plenty of big games. And so that was another reason why I felt like he would fare well on this stage.
2: Yeah. And I think the other thing that we should talk about um, as far as Nicole Jokic in Game 7 just the minutes total. Jokic played 43 minutes, 27 seconds in this game. Michael Malone told him before the game, be prepared to go 48 if we need you to. He said Jokic thought he was joking at first, and he's like, no, I'm serious, man. I mean, look, I, I think Jokic definitely ran out of gas there in the fourth quarter, but overall, I thought he did an excellent job, you know, playing these huge minutes totals, especially for him. But. Man, I mean, it, he was up against it in that fourth quarter. He was not getting the, those kind of running floaters to go down. Um, you know, he, he really was only affecting the game with his passing, and he was getting on the boards too a little bit. But, I mean, it, it's crazy just to see Jokic in there for, for 43 and a half minutes in a game seven like that. He was 9-26 of 26 overall in this game.
0: One of nine in the fourth quarter. And most of those shots came from within five feet or so of the basket. Shots he normally hits, but I agree with you. He looked gassed in that fourth quarter. And what San Antonio started to do, they sensed that he was tired as well. They really just kind of went at Jokic every time. A high pick and roll, just getting the ball to Aldridge and letting him try to go to work. And I think we've probably got to spend some more time on Jokic's defense in this series, like you said a couple minutes ago, because it was stellar. I never really felt like LaMarcus Aldridge got into a rhythm this series. He had some good moments. He he had some decent scoring games, but he just did not have the impact that I thought he was going to have and the impact that I think a lot of Spurs people thought he was going to have in this series. Never really got comfortable in the post. We've spoke about this throughout the series, but... Jokic's power, his strength, really seemed to bother Aldridge on the block. Jokic never really let Aldridge catch it in the paint or really within 10 feet of the basket. Every time Aldridge was posting up, he was catching it 15, 20 feet out from the hoop, and that really just made life tough on him. And I think Jokic played phenomenally on defense all series, just making life tough for Aldridge, making him work for whatever he got really just making him take those contested jumpers. I mean, he closed out to Aldridge in the corner in Game 7, I think in the second half when he was obviously gassed. He ran Aldridge off the line and then I think forced him into a contested 20-footer or something. An unbelievable defensive play from him. So he was phenomenal defensively this series, and he's going to be tested a lot on that end of the floor against Damian Lillard uh, next up. But a great start in the playoffs for him.
2: Yeah. And I thought he was excellent one-on-one like you just hit on. And I thought he was really good and helped too, which, you know, that, that's kind of been an area of weakness in the past. He got a lot of blocks and deflections in this series. I mean, he had three blocks in, in game seven alone. That's atypical of Nikola Jokic. I think he's done a much better job as the season's gone on of, of making some plays at the rim. Yeah. I mean, he's never going to be confused with Rudy Gobert or anything, but He was was affecting some shots and getting his hands on some balls. Definitely, and he had a couple nice blocks at the rim in this one. He had that strip on
0: Aldridge, I remember, in the fourth quarter that turned into a Monte Morris layup when Aldridge just turned and faced and looked to go up for a jumper. Jokic just stripped him on the way up, and Denver got two points out of it. So Jokic was the top guy in this series, of course, the best player in this series by far arguably the best player in the entire first round of the playoffs. I think you could really make a case for him, even over a guy like Dame Lillard, although Lillard was incredible in his own right uh, throughout those five games of Portland's first round series win over the Thunder. But Jokic was incredible. He was everything the Nuggets could have asked of him in this first round series. And yeah, I would expect him to keep it up in round two against Portland because I have No idea who's going to possibly stop him on the Trailblazers, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's hit a break real quick. I want to wrap up with some final thoughts on this series on the other side, and then of course, look ahead to Portland and give our series predictions for how we think the Nuggets second round series against Portland will go. We'll be right back.
1: Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Just mention BSN Denver.
0: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented, as always, by The Green Solution. If you visit MyGreenSolution.com, you can get 20% off when you use the promo code BSN20. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here, Monday edition of the show. Still coming off that high from Denver's 90-86 win over the Spurs in Game seven. In a couple minutes, we'll give our predictions for the second round matchup against Portland, how many games we think that series will go, who we think will win, and also some key matchups and whatnot. We probably shouldn't move on before we discuss, I think, the matchup that really tilted this series in Denver's favor, and really the matchup that you can look at and say it pretty much predicted how every game in this series would go. It was the Jamal Murray and Derek White matchup at point guard. When Derek White played well, San Antonio was probably winning that game. When Jamal Murray got the better of that matchup, Denver was probably winning that game. And we saw that come to fruition in game seven as well when Jamal Murray goes for 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, has a really solid game. And Derek White was a non factor, didn't hit a field goal, scored four points, found himself in foul trouble, and really didn't play much in the second half. What was your overall takeaway from that matchup this series?
2: In 11 of the first 12 quarters of this series, Jamal Murray got crushed. I mean, he had that great fourth quarter in game two, but apart from that, those first three games, Derek White absolutely dominated this matchup. I mean, I wrote about it, a whole thing about after game three, about how how that matchup was, you know, deciding the series up to that point. You know, Jamal Murray really bounced back after that. And I think what I liked the most from him was, you know, he got back at, at Derek White a little bit, but he never made it about him personally. You know, Jamal talked about how the Nuggets were going to be successful by just playing team basketball. And I thought Jamal, you know, scored the basketball well and did some really nice things, but he's able to do it all in, in a team context. And I, I think that's so important for the Nuggets. They're just such a collective. Like, they're they're just you know, together, they're, they're so much better than they are individually. And I think that was crucial for them. And the other thing you, you had to hit on is, I mean, Gary Harris took over the defensive responsibility on yeah. Derek White, and that turned everything. I mean, when Jamal was just asked to guard Bryn Forbes, which, a lot more, which is a lot more manageable matchup for him, you know, he, he shined a lot more on the offensive end.
0: Definitely. And
2: Gary Harris kind of took Derek White out of this series after
0: that game three Spurs win where White had that career-high 36 points. He did not come close to having the same impact ever since that game. And Gary's defense was incredible this series, and and you're right, it was a big reason why this matchup ultimately tilted in Denver's favor. I think we saw this series what Gary Harris can look like when he's 100% committed and locked in on that end of the floor. This is the type of defender he can be. He can be an all-NBA defender when he's locked in like he was this series. So Denver will need that going forward as well. Uh, But it was weird how Derek White just kind of was phased out of this series. And Pop really went with Patty Mills and Marco Bellinelli mostly in the second half in Game 7. We didn't really hear much from Derek White. He seemed pretty frustrated in these final few games. Found himself in foul trouble and really these last three games in five six and seven turned the ball over a lot in game four when the Nuggets won in San Antonio and he was really a non-factor he seemed frustrated by Gary Harris and you know he found himself in, in foul trouble a lot because you know Jamal Murray began to find his offensive rhythm late in this series of course and uh, kind of hurt Derek white at times so it, it was a good series for him to start and then, you know, he kind of got a reality check a bit, I thought,
2: later on. How about the shot Jamal Murray hit to essentially put this game out of reach? I mean, it that thing, it, it felt like it traveled 25 feet up in the air. It was kind of this floating jump shot from the left elbow. Yeah. It was it was poetic in some ways because in um, game one, yeah. Jamal Murray missed a, a pull-up from the right elbow that, that could have given Denver the lead in a 1-0 advantage in the series. That was a, a hell of a shot. Jamal Murray is... Man, he's, a, he's such a good, tough shot maker. Like he, he can hit those you know, contested runners from, from 15 feet away where he shoots it a million feet up in the air. You know, and and that's, such a, that's a skill, I think, that becomes so much more valuable come playoff time. Um, you just have to have guys that, that can make contested shots in the playoffs. And you know, Jamal Murray is one of the few guys on, on this Nuggets roster who's capable of doing that. And it was also poetic because that was really the shot the Spurs had been giving
0: the Nuggets all series. You know, they wanted to take away the three and shots at the rim, and they were really giving Denver anything from 10 feet to 17 feet the entire series. Those were the shots that the Spurs wanted Denver to take. And, you know, sure enough, that's the ultimate game winner that Jamal Murray hits. Not even a jumper, a running one footed floater from the foul line, a really tough shot. So, a good series for Jamal. It started out tough. For him and I think there were a lot of questions that arose after the first couple of games about what kind of guy is Jamal Murray gonna be moving forward but as ha- has happened time and time again this year, and as tend to, as what tends to happen in the playoffs, people can jump to conclusions a little too quickly. Something else that was fitting about how game seven transpired, Denver played great defense, and this was really a defensive slugfest. I mean, the Nuggets and Spurs combined to shoot 8 of 43 from three-point range. Neither team shot above 40% from the field. A really ugly offensive game the Spurs only had 13 points in the first quarter Denver only had 23 so it's not like they were hitting on all cylinders on offense either but you know the Nuggets their defense in this game and and this series I thought was great you know the Spurs aren't an offensive team that really scares you but they were solid over the course of the season about league average and you know Denver made them look like an offense that was taken out
2: of 1998 for most of the series yeah, I mean, the, the Spurs had 34 points at halftime. The Nuggets led by 13 at half, and it should have been at least 25. I mean, if the Nuggets had, had played halfway decent on the offensive end, th- this game would have been out of reach at halftime. When they are only up at 13, I, I told myself, like, oh, man, this is going to be close at the end, isn't it? Because And it was. Denver let them hang around a, a little bit too much. but Real quick, the pace of this game, guess what the pace of this game was? Uh, like an 89
0: Eighty nine exactly. Eighty nine. How'd wow, you I guess that? that? Right. Yeah. Eighty nine. I think that was a series low, but there there were some games this series where the pace was around ninety or ninety two too.
2: Oh my god, that's insane. I mean I, I think part of this game was, was just game sevens are just weird in general. Yeah. Like they they just tend to go this way. They're they're played at a crawl. People get tight, but I mean in the first half Every player but not named Nicole Jokic was shooting like someone sprayed insecticide in their eyes. Like it was, it was pretty ugly to watch um from an offensive standpoint. I had somebody text me who played in Europe. Ugliest half of professional basketball I think I've ever seen, and I played it in Estonia. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it, it wasn't beautiful offense, but it, I think it was significant that the Nuggets were able to win this way. I mean Michael Malone said a lot over the, the, the three previous seasons, oh, it was a shootout at the OK Corral. That's become kind of like a running joke on this podcast that for so long, you know, the Nuggets could only beat opponents by, by outscoring them. I think that was the case in 2016-17 and 27-18. That finally changed this year. Uh, Nuggets vaulted the 10th in defensive rating. They were first in three-point defense. They were first in fourth-quarter defense. You know, they showed all year, They had the ability to turn it on and and play really good defense when they wanted to, and this was another instance of that. And I think what Denver's turnaround on defense can really say about defense
0: in general, it's a lot about effort, because it might seem like we're boiling it down to something too basic, but the Nuggets just really haven't tried on defense for most of the Michael Mullen era they really didn't try on defense for the last three seasons. This season, they just gave a lot more effort on that end of the floor. And of course, a lot of it was having Paul Millsap available for more games than he was a year ago, and maybe a few little tweaks here and there, but it wasn't anything crazy schematically that Denver did different this year than they did last year. It was just they, they tried harder, and it's really what it comes down to.
2: I agree. I mean, defensively, I don't think the Nuggets have a lot of talent, to be honest with you. I mean, out of the starting five, they played most of the year. I think only Gary Harris is a guy who I'd say is a really good on-ball defender. I think Paul Millsap is above average, and I think Millsap's an excellent team defender. But they don't have a lot of guys who... You know, are are just gloves on the defensive end. I agree with you. It just came down to, to giving a shit, really. I
0: mean, look at Nicole Jokic's effort on defense and effort on defense in this series compared to where he was over his first couple of seasons in Denver. I mean, it looked like a guy who was playing in a Harlem Globetrotters game to a guy who finally realized, like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to play defense this year. It was night and day. So I think the defensive improvement this year was remarkable. I think Mike Malone deserves a ton of credit for sure, and it's one of the big reasons why I think he should be coach of the year. To get these guys to buy in to play defense, the coaching staff has to get these guys to buy in to play defense, and that's something they were able to do this year. And to go from one of the worst defensive units in the league to a top 10 defense with entirely the same roster. It's not like they brought in Tony Allen. It's not like they brought in Rudy Gobert to do this with this roster after what this group had been doing on the defensive end of the floor for the last couple of years was remarkable.
2: And the last thing I've got in the subject, maybe losing game 82 to the Timberwolves last year was the best thing that could have happened to the Nuggets actually. Maybe. It well, was. Okay.
0: <laughs> I think we know that now.
2: Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys have said that, you know, that... You know the pain of coming up short, a game, a game out of the playoffs for the second year in a row is, you know, really a crystallizing moment and making them realize like we have to be more than than just a good offensive team.
0: Yeah. Some final notes from this game, Game Seven. Mason Plumlee had maybe his one and only really good game of the series. He had just been taken out of this series was a non-factor pretty much in games one through six. I feel like he gave Denver some really strong minutes in this one two offensive rebounds for Plumlee in 12 minutes, Five points, six rebounds, two assists, and a steal. He was solid in this game. The bench played a lot better in Game 7, I thought, than they had fared at times throughout the series. And that was big because the Spurs bench, it's not something that really pops off the paper. Denver's bench really should have outplayed it for the entire series. They didn't, and that was the reason why the Spurs won a couple of those games. Like Game 6, for example, the Nuggets really had played neck and neck with the Spurs all game. Jokic had that 43-point game, and then the bench just gave it away at the beginning of the fourth quarter. That didn't really happen to that extent in Game 7, although the Spurs definitely came back in this one too. Uh, Will Barton had some nice moments this series. Didn't have a great Game 6 or Game 7, though, off the bench. Uh, Malik Beasley, solid, I thought, in this series. Didn't shoot the ball as well as he wanted to, but Still really made an impact, I thought, and gave the Nuggets good minutes. Torrey Craig really changed this series when he came into the starting lineup, and you've got to give Mike Mullen a lot of credit for making that lineup move when he did, and Paul Millsap had two really big offensive rebounds in this game late in the fourth quarter when the Nuggets just could not get anything to go around the rim, so he deserves a lot of credit for doing some dirty work, and he also had a nice first quarter scoring-wise. The Nuggets will obviously stick with this starting lineup in the next series, right?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, the the Trailblazers have two elite guys off the dribble. So I think you want your two best perimeter defenders in the starting lineup.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's look ahead to this Blazers series now. Let's throw some predictions out there for how we think it will go. Before we do, though, a quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. You guys know from listening to this podcast, Strava Craft Coffee, it's awesome. It's a game-changing coffee. It's the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we cannot recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, let's look ahead to Portland. Game one, Monday night. To set us up for that, let's go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Hear from our guy, Chris. Let's hear what he's got to say.
3: What a series. It's uh, Chris in Denver. Um, man, what can you say about that game seven? What can, what can you say about that series? Oh, man. First off, I think this, that was just what this team needed. Uh, you know, we all know that they're the young team. I think that, you know, I think they're like what the, the eighth youngest team in playoffs history. Uh, they, you know, they clearly have a lot of highly talented players that, you know, with all star and all NBA type ceilings. Um, yeah, but they needed they needed to be battle tested in the playoffs. They needed to be tested by a coach who will scheme them and a mentally tough veteran team. It's gonna take a punch and punch back. Uh, for all the for all the concerns of Jamal Murray's handle and you know how he's gonna handle a, you know some point guard being on him like stank on shit. I think he handled Patty Mills pretty well. Patty's a good defender. Um, you know, every, everyone had a good series. I think. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Jokic triple double in Game Seven. Jamal had twenty three, five and four. Gary was great. Torrey was great. Uh, Millsap was uh, okay. did some good stuff, and uh, Plumlee, you know, Plumlee kind of came back with that hoop too. So uh, I, I guess the next question, you know, is how do you feel about the immediate future? Let's talk long term and immediate. Uh, Portland obviously going to be a tough team. But, um, I don't know, call me crazy, but, you know, Dame Lillard had that 50-point game against OKC, and they won by three. He had 50 points against a good yet flawed team with their best player banged up, and they won by three on the last second 40-foot shot. Dame's great. He's probably going to have a great series against the Nuggets. He might have, he might have 30 a game,
2: a 38
3: 50. Uh, CJ's been turning it on lately too, but you know, I, I think with Gary and uh, with Gary and Craig, they can kind of slow him down and I really have the feeling that uh, Jokic is just going to feast, uh, feast against their bigs. Um, I don't know, it might be crazy though. They were 3-1 this year. They could have won 4-0 but they decided to choke Houston to the or to, to, to tank Houston to the fourth seed and play Isaiah Thomas and you know, just bad players with two minutes left on the road in a game they were winning. But what are your thoughts on that? Immediate and long-term future. What does this series mean for this Nuggets? This Nuggets team. It's been a great season. I hope we get another. Uh, I, I hope we get another 12 wins this year. Uh, nuggets were great. BSN was great. Callers at BSN were great.
0: All right, Chris. Thanks for the call. And I know I got a lot of other calls from you guys on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline last week. Sorry I didn't get to them, but keep calling in throughout this second round series, and I'll promise I'll get to some later in the week. Just didn't work out to get to those calls last week when we were on the road and whatnot. But Chris brought up a lot of good points there, and I think a lot of points that I agree with. I want to start off with what I think my biggest – read on this series is my biggest kind of insight to this series, just looking at this thing initially and Chris hit on it. I think Nicole Jokic is going to absolutely eat in this second round series. I have no idea how Portland's going to stop him. Portland obviously doesn't have Yusef Nurkic. Enos Kanter's got like a separated shoulder. I'm not sure how Portland is even going to limit Jokic at all.
2: I mean, think about the numbers Jokic just put up, and that was against a big-man rotation of Jakob Pertl and LaMarcus Aldridge, which I think is actually above average defensively. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they're solid, and, and Jokic put up these ridiculous numbers. There's no question in my mind that, that Enos Kanter, Zach Collins, and Myers Leonard is, is inferior to whatever the Spurs <laughs> just threw out defensively. So, yeah, I mean, Jokic has a chance to, to just make absolute barbecue chicken uh, uh, out of this Trailblazers frontcourt court. Um, I would expect him, him to continue to put up just huge numbers. I mean, even in those regular season games where Nurkic played, Jokic put out some monster numbers. I mean, did he have did he have a forty point game against the Trailblazers in the regular season? It was it was something approaching that I believe. Um, but yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, Jokic just should continue to, to feast. Um, I mean, I'm going to be looking at him on the defensive end in this game because they're obviously. You know, a lot a lot more guys who are, are capable off the dribble on Portland's roster versus San Antonio's.
0: Yeah, speaking about Jokic's offense in this series uh, real quick, and against Portland this year, it looks like he had 22 in that game that Denver tanked at the end of the season. He had 40, you're right, in a 116-113 home win over the Blazers back in January. He also had 15 points in a road win Uh, against Portland. So he's had some solid offensive outings against the Blazers this season. I would expect Portland to double him though and double him hard throughout the series as San Antonio did at times. But I do think the Spurs went away from that strategy uh, right or wrong as the series wore on. And we saw it a little in game seven, but they did not ever double him as close to with the regularity that they did in Game 1 throughout the rest of the series. But Portland's got to double him to, I think, have a shot in this series of just staying with Denver on the offensive end because you're right. There's no way any of those Blazers bigs could limit Jokic at all You know, throughout the series. The only way he doesn't have just a huge impact and average somewhere around 25 points per game on the offensive end or maybe even more as if he finds himself in foul trouble, which could always happen. But it's just really difficult to imagine Portland's bigs limiting him at all. And Denver will just have to make shots if Portland tries to double him, which I expect them to do. Let's talk defensively, though. How do you think the Nuggets match up with Portland? Because that's also going to be a big... Tell in terms of how this series will go.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to put Gary Harrison, Torrey Craig on Lillard and McCollum. Which one? Hmm, that that's kind of tough. I could see Michael Malone, you know, going with either Craig or Harrison, Damian Lillard. If I had to guess, maybe Harris. But what that means is Jamal Murray is going to. They're going to have to hide him on on one of Portland's forwards. Um, probably Mo Harkless is is the likeliest candidate, but. That's my guess for for how they'll try to, to slow the trailblazers, at least early on.
0: Yeah, I think you start Craig on Dame Lillard, actually, and you start Harris on McCollum. And I think the reason you do that is because I, I think you want to avoid getting Gary Harrison into any, any potential foul trouble. And I think a matchup on McCollum is obviously a less likely one for Harris to get in foul trouble. You start Craig on Lillard, and if Lillard just really starts to hurt Craig, yes, then you move Gary Harris onto him. But that's the alignment I would start with. I'd start with Craig on Lillard, I'd start with Harris on McCollum, and then I'm with you. You try to hide Jamal Murray on Mo Harkless because with how Jamal Murray played defensively in the first round and really how he's looked defensively for most of his career, you don't want to trust him guarding Dame Lillard or CJ McCollum. He's just gonna get burnt by either one of those guys. If somehow Jamal Murray is able to guard one of those guys effectively, yeah, Denver wins this series easily. But you're not really hoping for that based on how he's looked defensively. So I would hide him on Harkless. Harkless looked good in Portland's first round series against the Thunder. I think he had, what, like 17 points in that closeout game five. Not really much of a threat from three, or at least he hasn't been this season. Pretty much restricted to staying in the corners on offense.
2: So I think that's how I'd match up. I can't think of a job I'd want less in America right now than having to guard Damian Lillard in the playoffs. Right. I mean, the guy's just hitting from, from 40 feet right now. I mean, range, as soon as he steps across the half-court line, basically. I mean, I think he shot above 40% on threes from 30 feet and deeper. Obviously, he had the game winner. But I, I just don't know how you slow him right now. I mean, when you got to pick him up as soon as he crosses half-court, and he's so dynamic off the dribble, it just sounds miserable. Maybe guarding him or guarding Kevin Durant, those are the two worst jobs in in the NBA right now.
0: Oof. Two jobs, yeah. You definitely don't want to have. Damian Lillard seems like he's making a bit of a leap in, in these playoffs to like, arguably in the top seven discussion for best players in the league. I think you can put him at that level right now. And, you know, if Denver's able to limit him. I also think that's going to decide the series in a sense. If he just has a couple 40 point games, if he has a couple 30 point games, yeah, I think it's going to be a close series, but that's how Portland wins in my book. Denver's bench. I think it's better than Portland's bench, but I do think Portland's bench is better than the Spurs bench. Seth Curry, Evan Turner, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins. I think that's a better second unit than the Spurs had it should be a pretty good matchup with the Nuggets second unit that could also you know, help tilt the series. So it's a fascinating matchup. I think it's a good matchup. Denver obviously wanted it this way with how they played out the regular season. Their master plan came to fruition. They got it to work. And now they've got the second round matchup against Portland without Yusef Nurkic, who was the trailblazers, probably third best player, maybe even their second best player uh, throughout the series. So are you ready to throw out a prediction for this one?
2: Ooh. Um, I think the Nuggets are going to move on again. I-, I like the Nuggets to go to the Western Conference Finals. I think it's going to take them seven games to-, to get this one done. I, I think it's going to be another hard-fought series. I worry about Denver kind of looking gassed um, early on in this series because, I mean, they're only going to have like one day off, really, but, um, but between when they just got to jump back in again. But yeah, I like Denver to get this done and Nikola Jokic just to continue to dominate.
0: Yeah, I think Nikola Jokic is the MVP of this series. I think he outplays Damian Lillard. And I think the Nuggets win in seven as well. I think Denver probably loses game one at home, kind of like they did against the Spurs. Maybe a little bit because of the fatigue factor that you mentioned. I just also think it might just take a little bit for this team to just get locked in in playoff mode. Like, we kind of saw in game one. Maybe there's still some of that nervous, excited energy uh, for Denver in game one of this Portland game, and it just kind of takes them maybe a game to just settle into things. So I'm predicting the Nuggets win in seven, just like I predicted the Nuggets would beat the Spurs in seven. I think Denver drops game one, but goes on to win a game in Portland and win this thing at home in seven games and move on to the Western Conference Finals. So we'll see how it looks.
2: Yeah, the beauty of this is that if we miss on this, then we're both wrong. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to miss and you're going to get it right. Maybe that's just what I'll do from here on out. Just make the same predictions as you. I can't remember the last time I did not predict the Nuggets win or loss at Pepsi
0: Center. So if you're rolling with me, it's it's a good sign. <laughs> all right. I think that's all the time we got for today. Fun show wrapping up that Spurs series and looking ahead to Portland. If you've got questions about this Blazers series, hit us on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, one 800 bsn 8394 1-800-BSN-8394. Call in after game one. Tell us how you think that went, and that will be good to discuss on Tuesday's edition of the show where we'll recap what's either a Nuggets win in game one or a Nuggets loss. So we'll see what happens in game one. We'll talk to you guys then.
2: The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that that
3: people are taking it are for pain.
1: That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinal, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world.